The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. things After these things I looked and behold a great multitude that no man was able to count from among every nation tribe and people and tongue having stood before the throne before the lamb having been clothed with white robes and a palm branch in their hands and they kept crying out with a loud voice saying salvation to our God the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels had stood around the throne and the elders and the four living beings and they fell down before the throne on their faces and they worshipped God, saying, Amen, the blessing and the glory and the wisdom and the thanksgiving and the honor and the power and the might are all to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one from among the elders answered, saying to me, 
These, the ones having been clothed with the white robes, who are they, and, and from where did they come? And I said unto him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. And they washed their robes and made them white by means of the blood of the Lamb. Because of this they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And the one sitting on the throne will dwell among them, and they will not hunger again, neither will they thirst again. Neither may the sun ever beat down on them, nor any heat at all. For the Lamb, for the Lamb is in the midst of the throne. He cares for them and leads them to fountains of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. O Lord, would you add your blessing to the reading of your word and give us understanding? Would you give us of yourself today on this broadcast? Lord, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, we need you. And we come honestly confessing before you our great need. O Lamb of God, have mercy upon us in this last day as the tribulation begins to explode all over the world, as your people are being persecuted and killed raped and tortured. Lord, have mercy upon us today. As everything seems to be turned upside down, everything seems to have gone crazy. Evil is leaping forward and making progress. Lord, awaken your church. Bring revival in Japan, in Ireland, in England, Lord, bring revival in Europe. Lord, they are disowning their history of your grand work among them. They are giving themselves to false gods. And Lord America, fat and happy, walking in the entertainment of this day, dead, twice dead. Oh, God, have mercy upon America today. Lord, have mercy upon your church. Stir us now with revival fire. Oh God, stir us now with revival fire. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I keep coming back to this passage of Scripture in Revelation, the seventh chapter. In this amazing chapter there's a great throng of people standing before the throne of God before the Lamb what does it mean to come and stand before the throne of God well what is the throne of God we have the great white throne the throne of God represents total dominion and power it represents authority it, rever it represents governmental authority and power to reward and to punish we don't see much of the throne of god in america today it seems the throne of every wicked thing has risen up among us but it is the throne of god that rules the universe not the throne of the white house or the congress or the media or what I think, or what you think. What rules is the throne of God. And these people have come, and they are standing before the throne of God, indicating that they are totally submitted to the governmental authority of God. They have cast off the authority of man. They've cast off the authority of flesh. They've cast off the authority of the dark throne of Satan. They are now standing before the white throne of God, 
the throne representing absolute power and authority and judgment. And God is about to make a judgment on the earth. And if you read the context of this Revelation passage, the seven trumpets are going to sound. The wrath of God is about to be poured out upon the earth. Nothing man can do, no governmental influence of the EU or China or Russia or America can affect the judgments of God that are about to be poured out on the world. So now God's people are standing in reverent, humble submission before the governmental authority of God. They are in total agreement with his authority. In the heavenly realm, everything operates in order. There is nothing out of order. There is no rebellion. There is no destruction. There is but love and mercy and kindness, patience, long-suffering. When the Holy Spirit came in Genesis, the first chapter, he came and hovered over the dark. The dark is disorder. It is destruction. There is no light. It is only darkness. And the Holy Spirit came and he hovered over that darkness. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Why? because the Holy Spirit hovered like a mother hen over her chicks or over her eggs. She brooded over the earth and brought to order the molecules. Everything was brought to order and stood before the throne of God and did what God said to do. That's power. So now all of the, the multitude stands before the throne of God from every nation, tribe, and people, and tongue. They stand before the, before the Lamb of God. They stand before Jesus Christ. There is no Allah God. He is not a God. There is no Hindu God. There is no Shinto God. There is no Buddha there is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God's plan to bring order out of disorder. They stand before the throne and they are clothed with white robes. White robes. white symbolizing total purity they have been washed by the blood of the lamb this is not the robe belonging to Jesus Christ this is a robe that has been created that has been woven by man this robe belongs to man. You would not want to say that this robe that needs to be washed in the blood of the Lamb could possibly belong to Jesus Christ, for he knew no sin. No, this, this robe... And could I expand this a little bit? The word robe or clothing comes from the word habit. Habit. That's the original meaning of clothes. This robe is 
the clothing of man that has been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It takes a lifetime to weave the robe, the habit. It is woven day by day by our emotions, by our beliefs, by our decisions about whether we will submit to the rule of God. All of us have had robes that were not white, were not pure, were not clean. This white robe is made up of the righteous actions of the saints. Those righteous actions can only be made by the washing in the blood. In verse 13, And one from among the elders answered, saying to me, These are the ones having been clothed with the white robes. Who are they, and from where did they come? These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, and they washed their robes and made them white by means of the blood of the Lamb. Do you understand? Conversion is instant. Conversion is not taking a long time. The creation of the robe takes a lifetime. But to make it white takes an instant as it is washed by the blood of the Lamb. What gives us access to the authority of God is being washed in the blood. having been made clean by the blood of Jesus. Sin removed. Sin removed. Forgiven. Transformed into a new creature, a new person. Having been clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands What are the palm branches? Historically, the palm branch is the symbol of military victory. In history, the Romans, after the conquest of Judea, created a new coin. And on that coin, they stamped a palm branch, meaning we have victory over the Jews. Well, those who are standing before the throne of the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with righteous acts. They have palm branches in their hands. They have the victory over fornication. They have the victory over pot, gambling, drinking, lying, cheating, stealing, malice and bitterness in the heart, judgments. They have the victory over wickedness. They stand here clean before the Almighty God. And what can they do now as they stand fully submitted to the divine governmental authority of God, but fall down on their faces before Almighty God and worship This picture stirs my heart. Now let me say a couple of things to you about why I'm doing this broadcast. This broadcast and all broadcasts before this have one singular aim. And that is to bring you into a place of revival to bring you into a place to influence you to teach you about the revival of holiness the revival of godliness that you could wear a white robe I have addressed time after time the issues of the robe and the wickedness of the robe that's being worn in America today, and the need for repentance, 
John the Baptist came preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I come today preaching as a voice crying in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. I come calling you to confess your sin, to get right with God. I come calling for revival. Now there is a a story in scripture that I'm going to go to. I want you to look at it with me. It's found buried in the conversion of, of Saul. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, You must arise and go toward the south, on the road going down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I'm reading for you from Acts, the eighth chapter. I have begun in verse 26. This is desert. So Philip is being sent by an angel into the desert. Having arisen, he went. And behold, an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was over all of her treasury, who had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, You must go and join yourself to this chariot. Now Philip, having run near, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How indeed might I be able to, except someone may guide me? And he invited Philip, after having climbed up, to sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the one shearing him in silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch, having answered, said to Philip, I ask you, the prophet says this about whom? About himself or some other person? And Philip, having opened his mouth and having begun from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what hinders me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, it is permitted. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He ordered the chariot to stand still. And both went down to the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. Now when they came up out from the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. Now he was going on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Astros. And passing through... He was preaching the gospel to all the cities till he came to Caesarea. That's it. A very brief story, a wondrous story of the Holy Spirit taking a man. But as I've read and meditated upon this story, a question keeps coming to me. And you'll understand it is a revival question. It's a question the Holy Spirit has asked me. Are you available to the work of Jesus Christ? Are you available to the Holy Spirit? And I have said yes. Yes, Lord, I'm available. 
and so he has sent me to do this radio broadcast because I am available to him. He's also asked me to call you to revival. Not to some future revival, but revival now. This radio broadcast is about calling you to Jesus Christ, to be obedient to Jesus, and to make yourself available for the work of God. Now, part of my sorrow is, as I consider this, I recognize that many of you have made yourself very available to work. Your schedule can be changed or transitioned, and it's okay, you're going to go. You want the money. You make yourself available to the gambling night with the guys. Play poker. You make yourself available to go shopping. You make yourself available to mow the grass, to do what needs to be done around the house. You make yourself available to friends to have dinner. You make yourself available to your family, your wife, your husband, your children. As Americans, we make ourselves available to many things, and we especially make ourselves available to the Internet and to the television and to the movies. But some of you make yourself available to alcohol and to pot, to fornication. You make yourself available to every wicked thing. But are you available for Jesus Christ? What does it mean to make yourself available to Jesus Christ? Well, it means you're going to come and stand before the throne of God. And you're going to recognize that he has total authority over your life. You're going to recognize that his governmental power rules your life. And if it doesn't, you're in rebellion against him. And you are a part of the enemy camp, even though you may call yourself a Christian. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. How often I hear Christians say such things. And then off they go to make themselves available to all of the demands of the American luxurious lifestyle. Are you willing to make yourself available to revival? What is revival? Revival is being washed in the blood of the Lamb. Revival is being made clean before God. Revival is allowing God to take that robe that you have created and that you have dressed yourself in and plunge it into the blood of Jesus Christ, wash it clean, transform you, make you into a new creature so that your heart and your concern is Jesus. Now I need to be much more specific with you. What does it mean to make yourself available to the throne of God? It means that you are going to make yourself available to reading and praying and meditating over the scriptures. It means you are going to make yourself available in the prayer closet Jesus said, could you not even watch and pray for one hour? One hour is the minimum. Could you not make yourself available, he said to the disciples, to watch and pray for even one hour? You went to sleep on me. When Jesus most needed the disciples, they went to sleep on him. 
To be revived means to be awakened. To be awakened is only accomplished by taking the time to be holy, to read the scriptures, and then to pray, and to pray for the revival work in America, to pray for the conversion of the lost and the dying, to pray for the advancement of the kingdom of God now, to pray for specific individuals, to pray that God will touch their hearts and transform them and change them into his likeness. To make yourself available means when you hear a call like this, you will lay behind you everything of the flesh and the world and the devil and even religiosity. And you will come to where the call is being issued for revival in America. I'm telling you that if we continue in the course we are in with the pleasant emotional experience of the inspiration and the entertainment of the modern church, we will never make ourselves available for revival. We will never make ourselves available to God for revival. We're going to have to turn the TV off. We're going to have to turn away from the the sports. You're no longer going to be able to spend your evenings watching the game. Instead, your heart is going to be to pray for the lost. You're going to come and you're going to enter into serious prayer with other men and women who have come to enter into serious prayer. You're going to seek the full power of the Holy Spirit to come in this nation and rescue us from wickedness. I do this broadcast hoping that those of you who are outside of the Washington area will hear and begin to operate in the principles I'm teaching and in the unction of the Holy Spirit that fills my heart. But here in Washington, I'm extending day by day a call. Let me be very specific. A call to prepare for revival. Revival meetings will begin soon in Washington. Will you make yourself available to come? I'm asking for some of you who are moved by the Spirit of God, who want to move beyond the happy church, who want to move beyond the the quick and easy answers of grace that is cheap, who want to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, who want to be transformed into new creatures, who want to be serious about following Jesus. This story of Philip is so powerful because he was available to the angel to go to that road in the desert when it would make no sense for him to go there. He had to go there by walking. He didn't have a car. I don't know how long it took him, but it was a while. And it was hot. It was desert. And there he is used powerfully to bring an Ethiopian man into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He preached Jesus in the desert. He baptized this man. And then he is caught away by the Holy Spirit to his next assignment. Philip experienced the power of God because he was not consumed with the concerns of the world and the flesh. He was available to God. 
Are you available to God today? Will you lay aside all of the things that are so much a part of your heart and your life? And will you let the Holy Spirit begin to direct your steps? Is your time available to God? Is your money available to God? I watched today as a woman without much money saw a man who needed care, a young man who needed care. And I watched as she provided food and drink for him and encouraged him in his day. She was available to the Holy Spirit. She was available to do what God called her to do, even though it cost her money. Money she really did not have. Is your money available to God? Can God move in your heart to give to this broadcast for the purpose of bringing forth his will with revival in Washington, D.C., and then America? Can you catch that vision? The purpose of this broadcast is to call you to the throne of God, where you will be perfectly submitted to his will where you can bow with freedom before his throne and worship because you have been washed by the blood of Jesus. You've been changed. Are you willing to be available to God, to the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to read his word? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to obey the commands of the Holy Spirit as he instructs you? Are you willing to do it even if it means you have to walk in the desert and you don't understand what he's telling you to do? Are you willing to lay your life down and follow Jesus Christ? Or you dug into your little comfort cave doing your routine deal unwilling to allow God to change you. Having the little bit of truth that makes you comfortable, but unwilling to be stretched. Oh, pastor, don't ask me to drive all the way out to Woodbridge for the National Prayer Chapel. That's just too much. It wasn't too much for Philip. He went into the desert and preached Christ. Are you available to God? And frankly, I answer that question for you. No, most of you are not available to Jesus. You're available to all the demands of our culture. You're available to all the demands of those around you. You're available to your work. But you're not available to the call of the Holy Spirit for revival. You have a form of godliness, but you have no power. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and take you and direct your steps. Instead, you do the routine that you are accustomed to. God wants to break the routine of your life. Do you understand America is perishing? The new history books of Europe totally remove all reference to the Christian faith. Europe is totally giving in to Islam. The Islamists are literally taking over France and Germany. And they are in the process of doing that to the major cities of America because Christians are enjoying their life 
and they are not willing to risk. They're not willing to obey the Holy Spirit to proclaim Jesus to their family or to their friends because they might be politically incorrect. And I tell you, as you follow what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, people will say to you as they have to me, Pastor, that is not the Holy Spirit. What you're doing is wrong. You're becoming fanatical and following Jesus. You're crazy. You've lost your mind. I've been told that by my family. I've been cut off. Because I'm obeying the smallest words of the Holy Spirit as he whispers them into my heart. Because I no longer have a reputation to protect. I no longer esteem myself in any way. I no longer desire anything of this world or the flesh or the devil. I am totally sold out to stand before the throne of God in total submission and unity with the government of God. Can you say that? Are you in total unity submitted to the government of God, the great white throne of judgment? How will it find you? Will it find you righteous, washed in the blood? Or will it find you in the filthy robes of human construction and cultural creation? I come say, prepare the way of the Lord for his coming. He's going to come in revival power in America. We must be available to the Holy Spirit for that coming of the Holy Spirit in power and authority in America. Are you available for that? Or have you watered down your Christian faith so that it's a lullaby to you? It's entertainment to you? It's a hobby to you? But you walk with a wicked heart before Almighty God enjoying the fellowship of darkness? Are you fit to be sent out into the desert? Would you say, are you crazy? That's not God. May I be very honest with you. I'm out in the desert right now. And God has sent me out into the desert. But for a few companions, I am very much alone. A few people who are willing to walk in the desert way. And I know that very soon, God is sending revival. And I pray that I can preach Jesus across this nation. And I guess I'm coming today and saying, has your heart been prepared by listening to this broadcast? Or are you still walking in rebellion against the Almighty God? Have you produced in your life that which the Holy Spirit wanted to produce? Or are you still listening to this broadcast like it's pretty music to your ears, but you've not really applied? You're not reading the scriptures. You're not praying. You're not repenting. You feel self-sufficient. You feel okay, but you just like to listen to the sound. But you're still caught in the traps of sin. Let me ask a question. What does a converted person look like according to Scripture? In Psalm 119, 165, the word says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. 
so a converted person looks like one who has peace. They love the moral law of God, and nothing makes them sin or take offense. Another scripture in Luke 8, verses 15 and 16. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he lighteth a candle, cover it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter may see the light. So what does a converted person look like? They have an honest and good heart. They hear the word of God and they keep it. They bring forth fruit with patience. They don't hide the light. They let everyone around them see the light. In Colossians 1, verses 10 and 11, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. So what does a converted person look like according to Colossians? Actions that are worthy of Jesus, fruitful in every good work, increasing in experiential knowledge of God, supernaturally strengthened by God so that all affliction is patiently and joyfully endured. In other words, there's no complaining in their heart. There's no grumbling. And by the way, I have to give credit where credit is due. I'm sharing with you a piece that my precious wife, Alexandra, wrote describing what a converted person looks like. As I shared with her what the broadcast would be today, her only advice to me was, be specific. If you look at Colossians 2, verse 5 to 7, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joyfully and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So what does a converted person look like? There is order in the church. There is not fighting. There is not disorder. There is not chaos. There is not malice. A converted person walks steadfastly by faith. They're not talking about leaving the faith because God isn't doing something for them. They know there is no place to go but Jesus and be hidden in him. A converted person has received Jesus Christ so that that person can live a holy, sinless life. They are rooted and built up. They are established. They have Christian growth that is concrete and real. And they are filled with thanksgiving and joy. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So a converted person loves other Christians. And they keep God's commandments. They don't keep the laws of Christ out of any sense of legal duty. A man has been converted if he no longer walks in sin. Now, these are very concrete things. If you sin, you are a child of the devil. If you do what is right, according to 1 John 3, 6-10, you are a child of God. There isn't a mixture of the two in one person. 
total depravity and entire sanctification are two sides of the same coin. So why do I come to this broadcast? I come and spend my time proclaiming Jesus Christ to you to call you to be available as Philip was to stand before the great white throne of God and to fall in worship before him not being consumed by this world but totally available now for the great task the present truth of this age is called revival it is not time for church as normal it is time to come together and be ignited in white hot flame for jesus christ to give ourselves totally to him and i call you to come and join together with me in that work of revival at the national prayer chapel you can find us we meet at the all saints anglican church in woodbridge virginia i'll give you the address it is 14851 gideon drive now we meet on Tuesday night at 6.30 to begin praying. And we meet together on Sunday at 12 noon. You're welcome to come. You're welcome to come if your heart is stirred for revival, to rescue America from destruction, to come and learn the ways of Jesus Christ to learn how to pray for revival to learn how to walk without sin to learn how to love the brother and the sister to be a part of a family of God that is utterly committed to revival now not in the future but now and then you're invited to come and be a part of the revival meetings I'll be announcing those meetings very soon They'll be held on Monday nights. There's much work to be done to get ready for that revival. Part of it is financial. And we need to quickly expand this radio broadcast to the FM side of the dial. We need to go on XM. We need to be able to proclaim Jesus in the desert. We need your financial support. If you have a passion for Jesus and a passion for revival and a passion to see America saved, then I invite you to give. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. That's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Click on the button, Donate. I invite you to give. Are you available with your resources to bring forth those who will preach revival in the desert? God bless you today, my brother, my sister, as you make decisions in Jesus. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I'll talk to you soon.